Ever notice that everything you ever thought would make you happy ever after didn't? Ooh, me too. It turns out Sean Cassidy was not my soulmate. Orgasms only last a few seconds and money does not buy happiness. Hi, I'm Dr. Cheryl Fraser and welcome to Sex, Love and Elephants, the weekly podcast where we explore relationships, mind and the meaning of life. A place where you are normal if you feel like something's missing, even though you have it all. Because guess what? Happiness is an inside job. How do I know? Well, if a Buddhist nun and a sex expert had a baby, I'm it. I'm a psychologist, sex therapist, and author. I've meditated for 12 hours a day for months at a time. I've studied Tantra in Tibet, and I've taught for people like Tony Robbins and Jack Canfield, and helped thousands of couples reignite passion. My mission with a loving heart is to kick your ass off the couch and into awakening. And here's the secret. If you want to cultivate wild love that lasts, compassion and curiosity, and the superpower of being happy for no reason, first, you've got to meet your elephant. So let's go. This is Cheryl Fraser, and I'm thinking about elephants today. Welcome to this episode of Sex, Love, and Elephants. If you haven't listened to the first couple of episodes, you may be pretty confused about the elephant part. So today is an elephant episode. If you've been listening to the last couple of months of content, it's been heavily focused on the sex and the love part of my work, of meaning, of life, of being on this planet, attempting to stumble through with one other person toward a realistic version of happily ever after. But this podcast is not just about sexual romantic relationships. Yes, by training, that is what I do. I run an immersion program once or twice a year for so many of you. What a delight. I kicked off with a new group of couples just two days ago. But my other secret identity, not so secret, I do talk about it, is I'm a Buddhist teacher. I've done multiple three and four month silent meditation retreats in Canada, in the US, in Tibet, and in India. Why on earth would I do that? Well, I'll talk a bit more about it in an upcoming episode, and you can go back to an older episode, we'll note which one in the show notes below, where I talked about my long, strange journey to the spiritual path. But today, I just want to keep it really simple. Why Buddhism? Why elephants? What the heck, Cheryl? Come on now, help me out. The elephant. I want you to think about the elephant like your inner knowing, except it's much bigger than you. Let's just call it knowing. It's not my knowing. It's not your knowing. It's that little part inside that sometimes whispers to us. It's like a kitten scratching on the door. Let me in. Wake up. Listen to me. So there's a way of thinking about our experience in Buddhism, which I really enjoy, which is the analogy of the monkey and the elephant. Now, the monkey is the part we often think is us. That's Cheryl. That's my hopes and dreams, my plans, my control freakish nature, trying to get things done, my sense of my ego, who I am. I'm an animal lover. I'm a human rights activist. I love chocolate. So if you were to say to me, you hate animals and you want children to be sold into slavery, that would wound my sense of who I thought I was. And the monkey would get pretty offended. 
So the monkey is our ego self. Now, the monkey's not bad. Don't kick the monkey. Don't hate the monkey. The monkey is trying to navigate through this life with a sense of self. We can talk about that another time and keep us safe and keep us okay and, frankly, get us all the bananas. <laughs> There's a fair bit of that going on as well. It's not our nicer nature. I'm going to talk about that today in terms of a Buddhist understanding of the three poisons, the three negative emotions, drives, or wants that all of us have to a greater or lesser degree in any moment, in any week, and in any lifetime that are poisonous. We're going to talk about that today, but first a little bit more to contextualize what the heck the elephant and sex, love, and elephants is all about. The elephant, unlike the monkey, has it all figured out. The elephant is what I would call your awakened self, your fully awake self. It's not actually yourself. It's full awakeness. You might think of it as your true self. You might think of it as God. You might think of it as your spirit, your soul, your deep inner meaning, the truth, the universe. The language I'm going to use is drawn from Buddhism, which is it is your awakened self. The word Buddha, by the way, Bodhi, means to unfold or to awaken, begging the very important question, to awaken to what? To awaken to the truth of the way things really are. The way things really are is money doesn't bring you happiness. We're all going to die. Our time is short. We often chase shiny objects that do not deliver the kind of love and happiness we're looking for. And a lot more. It's pretty deep stuff, but it's also essentially pretty simple. Buddhism, the mind training of the elephant, the awakened part of us that is already free. Free from what? Free from suffering, free from anger and pettiness and spitefulness and fear and anxiety. Imagine, imagine in this moment, and you've all tasted it, whether you know anything or care anything about Buddhism or not, you do care about happiness. You do care probably about compassion, about being a good, decent human, doing well for your family, friends, and community. These are aspects of the elephant. The elephant is free from ugliness and free from the three poisons. The elephant is the essential nature, which is free, calm, clear, curious, loving, non-defensive, compassionate, helpful, and sees the lie in a lot of what we're sold in uh, popular culture, which is, you know, be pretty, be skinny, be rich, and you'll be happy. It sees through that, not in a cynical way, not in a get on social media and diss other people way, but just in a simple way of, ah, my friend, yes, you can buy a much bigger house and decorate it with beautiful things. That alone is neither good nor bad. But if you think that beautiful house and all those pretty things are going to make you happy ever after, you're confused. The elephant simply, gently flaps its ears and continues gently plodding towards awakening with you and your monkey sitting on its back. So this is an elephant episode about how to be happy for no reason. What does that mean? Well, it means even if you're poor or your house is swept away in a flood and your insurance doesn't cover it or the person you love breaks up with you and runs away with someone new. Of course, these are difficult challenges, but they don't have to destroy us. So today there's a bit about the elephant. There's a bit about the monkey. We'll talk a lot more about that. Probably the next few episodes are going to be elephant episodes. But for today, I want to introduce you to one of the fundamental teachings of awakening, the fundamental teachings drawn from Buddhist philosophy of the three poisonous emotions or tendencies. Now, 
Don't beat yourself up. You've got all three of these some of the time. I do too. Until we're fully awake, until our monkey melts into our elephant, we tend to be driven by these three poisons some of the time. Now, luckily, there are antidotes. I mean, let's keep it real here. If we got bit by a rattlesnake today, or if you're in Australia, a much more poisonous critter, um, we would want an antidote and we would want it fast. We don't want to be poisoned. We don't want to be ill from poison and we don't want to die from our poisons. So the Buddhist word is translated to poisons, the three root poisons. What are they? I know. I'm teasing you. It's foreplay. Let's get there. The three poisons of the mind and behavior of a human are greed or wanting, anger or aversion, and bewilderment or confusion, often called ignorance. So we're going to synopsis them for today uh, with the more um, sort of dramatic terms to really help us understand this. Greed, hatred, and delusion. These are the three poisons of the human mind. Let me talk a little bit about each of them. And then I'll, of course, talk a little bit about the antidotes. Greed. Now, that's a translation of a word from Pali, loba, L-O-B-H-A, greed or clinging or wanting. And it can be vast. You know, you can be super jealous and greedy because a friend of yours falls in love and finds a, a wonderful partner and you're single and you start feeling poisonous thoughts towards them. You want it. You need it. You desire, not necessarily their spouse, but to be in love. And that taints your happiness for them. That's a yucky feeling, isn't it? But greed is also you know, wanting more stuff, buying pretty things, wanting to feel more warm when you're a little cool. Now, you may be protesting a bit. It's not greedy to want to feel a little more comfortable, is it? No, it's not. That's where the word greed isn't a great English translation of the Buddhist word, the Pali word um, loba. Clinging, wanting are better words. Now, let me describe something to you. Imagine it's a beautiful, warm spring day. You're sitting out on a beautiful deck in a really comfortable recliner. You've got a perfect glass of lemonade next to you and maybe a piece of chocolate. You've got the best book and you're just so, so content. It's almost perfect. And then there's a little buzzing of a mosquito, a buzzing of a single mosquito. What tends to happen to almost all of us is we get into a state of the poisons. It might be extremely mild. It might be, uh, I wish there were no mosquitoes. So it's a little tiny bit of wanting, a little tiny bit of wanting something to be different. The lemonade's perfect, the book, the chair, the day, the temperature, perfect. But there's something there that we want to be different. Or maybe your lemonade's three quarters gone and you just think, oh, I would love to, I'd love to have a refill, but I don't want to get up. There's a tiny bit of wanting something other than what you have. You hear that? When we want something other than what is actually present, we're in a state of mild or major discomfort. If your partner dumps you today and says they're sleeping with someone else and it's over, they want a divorce, you're going to be probably in a state of emotional consternation. And the root of that is you want things to be different than they actually are. This is a tough teaching in terms of it can seem... Well, it can seem tough, but it's actually extremely elegant. If you dump me today and my heart is broken and I'm extremely distraught, what am I distraught about? Well, I'm distraught that you don't love me anymore. That's what it seems like, and that's not entirely untrue. But if we dig underneath to the actual root poison, I want something other than what is true. I want something other than what is happening. 
I want things to be different. I want, I crave, I have loba, I have craving, wanting, clinging. I want something to be different. And according to the fundamental teachings of Buddhist philosophy, when we want anything other than what's present, we suffer a little or a lot. If I want you to love me again and I'm devastated, I'm suffering a lot. But the root poison of my pain is I want something. Greed, loba, clinging. That's the first root poison. The second root poison is anger or aversion. Dosa, D-O-S-A is the Pali word that is translated most commonly into anger or aversion. Not wanting. You got it. It's the flip side of what I was just talking about. So back to our idyllic afternoon in the perfect chair with the perfect glass of lemonade. Gee, I'm feeling thirsty right now. And the perfect book and the perfect temperature and the wind is gently cooling our brow and we are just almost in heaven except for that damn mosquito. And we may feel some aversion. Aversion is not wanting. Clinging, I want something other than this. Aversion, I don't want this. They're very similar. They are, as I said, pretty much flip sides of the same coin. But you're just, I really want you to imagine you're there and then this mosquito and then then suddenly there's a dozen mosquitoes and they're buzzing around your face. And you go from feeling content, the elephant is flapping its ears, the monkey is snoozing on the elephant's back, to feeling a mild bit of annoyance perhaps. Or maybe, like my husband, you're allergic to mosquitoes. If he gets a mosquito sting, he gets a really big welt and it's super itchy and uncomfortable. It's not dangerous, thankfully, but it's really uncomfortable. So if we're lying somewhere and there's a couple of mosquitoes buzzing around, I don't pay a ton of attention. I'm not too sussed if I get a mosquito sting. It's not my favorite thing, but whatever. But he's going to probably have a bit more aversion than me. Ah, mosquitoes. I've got to get some mosquito repellent or do something. Aversion. I don't want this. Or you're laying there on your idyllic afternoon in the spring, lying on the beautiful, comfortable chair with your book and with your perfect lemonade, and the uh, wind changes and it gets a little cold and you start to get goosebumps and you get a little chilly. I don't want this. It's too cold now. Or it gets too hot. You start to sweat. You think, ugh, I'm going to get a sunburn. Aversion. Now, I want you to hear the deeper teaching. The deeper teaching is the elephant is saying things change, baby. Sometimes it's warm. Sometimes it's cold. Sometimes you get mosquito stings. Heck, I got uh, stung by a mosquito in India in 1997, and I ended up with malaria. Extremely sick from my mosquito sting. That was no fun. So you'd think I'd have a lot more aversion to mosquitoes than I do. Uh, Usually here on Vancouver Island, they're not carrying malaria, but still. The point is simple. Simple but profound and hard to wrap our minds around. We suffer because things change and we don't like it. So we want something nummier and happier, or we don't want the yucky thing that's happening. This is incredibly profoundly important. It is a distillation of everything the psychologists, the neurologists, the personal growth gurus, the philosophers, spiritual leaders. We try to figure out what is human existence about and why is sometimes it's so, so difficult and so, so painful. And the simple answer is because things change and we want them to stay the way we want them to be. I talked about that in an earlier elephant episode, the four noble truths, the four truths, the four facts of life in Buddhism. Things change. Sometimes we don't like it. We want it to be different. We cling. I'm introducing now that second, third noble truth, which are when things are the way we don't want them to be, whether it's as simple as we want more lemonade or it's a little too warm, a little too cool, or there's some mosquitoes, we tend to suffer a little bit. Maybe not horribly, maybe just very 
vaguely, gently discontented. But at the worst, cancer, death, divorce, child with, who gets a terrible diagnosis of a lifelong illness, a friend betraying us, losing our company through the evil and, and, and rotten machinations of someone else when we shouldn't have lost our company and our employees shouldn't have had to have been laid off. We shouldn't have had to go into bankruptcy. These are the big changes, right? But fundamentally, in our mind, in our emotions, there are three fundamental negative emotions, which the Buddha calls the poisons, the roots of all our suffering. The first one you've learned about today is we want something other than what we've got in this moment. Clinging, wanting, greed. The second poison, which you've just heard a little bit about, is anger, hatred, not wanting, aversion. I don't want this. This has to change. This is not acceptable. How dare that person think differently than me? How dare my neighbor cut down the tree I liked that is on their side of the property line so they have a right to chop it down, but how dare they? And so on. Are you happy when you're in a poison? No, you're not. Even if you're vaguely, mildly irritated or irritable, that doesn't feel good, does it? That's a mild dose of aversion. And when you've got the major dose of aversion, you're in rage, you're in hatred, you're in ferocity. We tend to do, say, and act and think in ways that are profoundly harmful when we're in the grips of the poison of aversion, of hatred. So we've got greed. We've got hatred. Three poisons, baby. The third poison is moha, M-O-H-A in the Pali language, and it is often translated as ignorance. But ignorance of an innocent kind, not knowing, not understanding, being bewildered, being confused. Well, confused about what? I'm confused about what you're saying, Cheryl. Confused about the truth of reality. For example, at the heart, blood, guts, and base of your being, when you really think about it, do you expect to live forever? No, of course you don't. You realize you're mortal. You've got maybe 100 years. So do you really, at your heart, blood and guts and, and, and intelligence and depth, believe that your body can stay young and slim, firm and without wrinkles, agile without aches and pains, have all your joints be as healthy as they were when you were 6 or 16? Really, when we think about it, we know that that is not the case. Now, that doesn't mean we can't, through intelligent nutrition, exercise, and flexibility, and other things, assist our body to age better. But it is ignorant. It is bewildered. It is confused to not accept the truth of change, of aging, not to accept the truth of change, of change. Do you really, really think you're going to feel as desperately in love with your sweetheart as you did at the peak of your falling in love? We would like to feel that way. A ton of my work is dedicated to helping you recreate those sorts of appreciations and love and excitement and spark. But if you actually expect to feel the same as you did in those first few precious weeks or months of your love affair, that is deluded. It's confused. It's not, it's not being reasonable or looking at the truth of reality. If you expect paying off your mortgage and having a, a pretty home and raising two fine children to eradicate all your hurts and losses and, and all the other rough stuff, then that is also diluted. Meaning white picket fence, 2.2 kids, pay off the mortgage, have a decent job with a pension. Is that really the answer to happiness? I am not saying, and the Buddha isn't saying, and nobody is saying who's intelligent, that those things are bad. The only place we run into trouble is where the monkey gets so freaking confused it loses touch with the elephant altogether. And the monkey says, hey, Cheryl, just find a good guy, get a nice house, build a picket fence, raise a couple nice kids, get a good job, ideally with a government pension, and you're going to be fine. 
I wish. I wish it were that easy because so many of you listening have done just that in your own variation, of course, but you've done the right things. You've studied, you've learned, you've got a job that has some sort of meaning or hopefully benefits. You've got a family which is decent. You hopefully live in a home that is safe. And it's not the answer, is it? These are not bad things. The third poison is really tricky, people. It's an insidious poison. It's like micro doses of arsenic over a really long time. We don't know we're getting sick. We're sick from that three, third poison of ignorance or bewilderment or confusion because we don't even know we're confused. We buy into an illusion, a myth, a confusion, which says, hey, Cheryl, if you are a good person and work hard and raise your family well, everything's going to be fine. Things are not going to be fine. Cancer happens. Death happens. Racism happens. Abuse happens. I'm not being a downer. I'm being honest because the antidote to these poisons are coming in a moment. The third poison is bewilderment or confusion, not really looking at the world the way it truly is, not actually accepting that there's going to be changes and some of them are going to be incredibly hard and we can't control them all. It's who we are when the rotten change happens that defines our existence, not trying to hide out in a little enclave of perfection and hope nothing bad ever happens to us or anybody we love. That's a bad life plan. That's a monkey life plan. That's a deluded, crazy monkey life plan, and it's never going to work. An elephant life plan is I'm going to love and be loved. I'm going to be a wonderful human as best I can. When I mess up, I'm going to repair and recover and do better next time. I'm going to be a work in progress. I know there's going to be some incredible pains in each of our lives. I have friends whose seven-year-old grandson was killed in a tragic accident last week. Imagine that. I'm sure too many of you listening have something all too similar in your life or extended family. The death of a seven-year-old child and grandchild through an accident. Oh my goodness. Don't tell me that life is going to be easy. Life is wondrous, but it is diluted. It is the third poison of confusion, bewilderment, ignorance to act like everything's going to be okay. That is a dreadful life plan. I'm sorry. Let's wake up because what is the uh, elephant about? Awakening, waking up, waking up from the illusion that everything's going to be fine if I just stick my head in the sand. Everything's not going to be fine. And if you want a splendid life, you need to learn to roll with the changes from the good, the bad, to the most ugly and tragic, because it's what you bring to circumstance that will determine whether you have a happy, loving mind and heart, even through the biggest losses and the biggest griefs. Okay, so there's a brief teaching, an elephant teaching on the three poisons to review clinging or greed. I want something else, meaning I'm not fully happy the way it is. I want something more or different. The second poison, aversion. I don't want this. Anger. This isn't, I don't like this. Yuck, make it go away. Well, I don't want there to be a beautiful seven-year-old taken from the world way too soon in a tragic accident. But whether I want it or not, it has happened. It is a reality. It is truth. So what do we do with that? Do we hate it? Do we rail against the universe and circumstance? Maybe. 
But ultimately, what we are left with is who are we in the face of such tragic loss? Who are we, no matter how much we hate it, second poison? Can we also allow it to inform our heart and open it even wider, to grieve with grace, to support all the people affected by a loss, to bring our best selves to navigating the inevitable changes we don't want or which horrify and almost break us? Can we sit on our elephant's back through our worst losses? That's the second poison aversion. And the third, ignorance, confusion, believing everything's always going to be fine for us and everybody. We all know it's not true. We act as though it is. Ignorance and confusion, bewilderment, not seeing the truth of reality, it doesn't help us in the end. Ostriches have to pull their head out eventually or they'll die. So the good news, there are antidotes to these poisons uh, according to the teachings of Buddhism. There are antidotes. What would be the antidote, antidote to greed? I think you know the answer without my help, without the Buddha's help. What's the antidote to greed? You got it, generosity. Can we deliberately cultivate generosity more often and more deeply? Yes, we can. Can we set reminders to give more freely to noble causes? Can we do something generous for a friend in need? And this is a little more challenging, but also very meaningful. Can we do something kind or generous towards someone that we're feeling a little bit of hurt or resentment or distance from? Can we just overcome our feelings for now and just reach out or do something sweet or drop them off some flowers at the door saying, I'm sorry, we're having a rough time as friends or whatever it is. The antidote to greed and wanting, is generosity. Practice more generosity, but not just to other people, also toward yourself. I'm going to talk about that more in an upcoming episode, the importance of self-generosity. Because unless you can give freely to yourself, unless you can nurture yourself, unless you can be kind to yourself, you're going to burn out, run out, have no gas, no water, nothing to give others. So self-compassion and self-generosity is something I'll talk about coming up in another episode. So the antidote to greed and selfishness is generosity and giving. The antidote to hatred and anger, you got it. What would be the antidote to hatred? Love. Love, loving kindness, compassion, wanting to transcend our anger and our self-righteous monkey whose feelings have been hurt. Okay, monkey, I got you. I'll give you a hug. But the fact is, it's just words. It's just actions. They change. They move on. We all do unskillful, dumb things. Our friend did an unskillful, dumb thing. Doesn't mean they're a bad person. Can we embrace our own heart and soothe our own monkey and move forward without clinging to our anger, without clinging to our aversion, our hatred, our discontent? Practice more love. Practice more loving kindness. Practice more compassion. I'll devote an upcoming episode to that practice as well. What would be the antidote to ignorance? Wisdom. But in Buddha Dharma, we talk about a specific type of wisdom I've been talking about on this episode, which is the ability to clearly see the way things actually are, not the way they wish they would be. We wish our husband would fall back in love with us once they've told us they're in love with someone else and they're divorcing us. We wish our child, our beloved child, wouldn't have been killed in an accident. We wish it wouldn't rain on our wedding day. But sometimes it does. I was at a wedding in the middle of, I've been at actually two weddings, one in Phoenix, where it hadn't rained in 97 days consecutively, and the skies opened up for about 30 minutes right during the outdoor wedding ceremony and soaked us all. 
And the bride threw open her arms, tilted her head back and laughed up at the sky and said, it's my mom. She's crying from heaven because she can't believe I'm finally getting married. (laughs) She was about 42, first wedding. The other one was here locally in Vancouver Island, also in August, generally a very safe month for us to not have rain. It had been sunny and gorgeous for about 20, 30 days straight. You got it the day of the wedding, freaking poured all day. It was an outdoor wedding on a lakeside. They had to give us all golf umbrellas. We were under these golf umbrellas. It was raining so hard. It was smacking the lawn and and, and bouncing back up. So all our legs were were drenched despite being under giant umbrellas. The bride arrived at the lakefront of her grandparents' property in a small boat as had been the plan. And we all thought, oh no, she's probably devastated that it's pouring, ruining her wedding day. Uh Uh-uh. She stepped out in this gorgeous wedding gown and flower-painted rubber boots up to her knees. And we we laughed because that bit of of, uh, joy in her boots let us all know she was okay. It was raining. But a lot of people, if it rains, pours on your wedding day, especially after months of sunshine, You'd allow that to kind of put a rotten tint on your day. That's ignorance. That's confusion. That's bewilderment. It's okay to desire sun, but it's raining. So wisdom says, this is a really beautiful day. I'm marrying the person I love and it's raining and that's okay because I can't change it. I'm not the God of weather. I can either be upset and have greed. I want it to be sunny and aversion. I hate the rain. It's ruining my life. Or I can see with wisdom. This is what is, and it's not what matters. Wisdom, clear seeing, accepting. And you might be saying, because you're really smart, how the hell can I accept the death of a seven-year-old? I'm not suggesting you accept it like it's okay or anything like that, but we need to accept the truth of reality, which is this beautiful little being. This beautiful little bright light is transformed and is no longer in human form with us anymore. And when we can accept that with wisdom, it can help a tiny little bit. It can help a tiny little bit when we see the truth of reality that we can't change. And with wisdom, we accept this is what is. It's not what I want, but it is what is. And I will hold my gentle, good heart and do my best to be in alignment so eventually I can heal as much as one can. So eventually I can offer more love, maybe support others who've been through something similar or whatever that path might look like. So the three poisons, the three negative mind states, the three roots of our suffering, the three monkey states that the elephant flaps its ears at. When the monkey's in greed, the elephant says, practice generosity, my friend. When the monkey's in hatred, anger, the elephant says, practice loving kindness and compassion, including to yourself, my dear little monkey friend. And when we're confused, when we forget This too shall pass. When we forget, we're all mortal. When we forget into every life, there will be tough, tough things. We suffer more. And the elephant says, I am so sorry for your loss. I am so sorry for the truth of reality. It is so hard. But bring yourself into alignment with the truth. Lay upon my broad back. I will continue to walk us both towards enlightenment. That brings us to today's love bite. When you swallow the poisons of anger or greed or confusion, worry not. The antidotes of love, generosity, and wisdom 
are always to be found inside us, sitting on the elephant's back. Thank you so much for joining me for today's episode of Sex, Love, and Yep, Elephants. I'll be back with you next week. Until then, remember, there's always an antidote. And when we fight reality, reality always wins. (laughs) Bye for now. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Sex, Love, and Elephants. But most of all, thank you for being part of this herd. If you enjoyed listening, please share this with a friend. And if you haven't already, I would love, love, love it if you would subscribe, rate, and review the show on your podcast player because it really helps all the other elephants find us. If you have any questions or comments or maybe an idea for the show or you'd like to be a guest, reach out to me directly at drcherylfraser.com where you can also sign up for weekly Love Bites, science-based tips for creating love and passion that last a lifetime.